0: Everyone and welcome to the Crazy About Packaging podcast. I'm Natalie here with Mike and Jonathan, and we are the Cat Pack. So on today's episode, we're going to be kicking off our new process highlight series, where we take an in-depth look at one specific food packaging and/or process uh, sterilization process, discussing the process itself, how it works, the benefits and drawbacks, the food applications, and what innovations are being made in terms of materials that can be used in that process. Um, so. Today we're gonna to be starting that series with a discussion on hot fill packaging. But before we get into that, I have our second rendition of our new game, Can I Recycle That? Um, so given the topic of today's episode, I selected a packaging format and application that's used in hot fill packaging, the applesauce cup. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so here we have I have a you know, one that I emptied out and a filled version. So I have it A filled applesauce cup you can see it's sealed with foil litting film with you know like a pretty simple label on top it's I don't really see any room in there in terms of the space between the product and the litting film you know I can squeeze it you can see that the you probably can't see on the video but the the litting film flexes you know as I squeeze it And on the bottom, it says that it is made from polypropylene with the resin ID code number five. Yep, and then just in terms of the unfilled version, you can see that it's obviously made with a clear material and that litting film kind of peels right off. So yeah, let's talk about it. First, first thoughts. What do you guys think? Can we recycle this? Let's talk about it.
1: 100%,
2: (laughs) 100%, yeah, we can. But, yes, but you there's can. a couple of factors to consider. You got to remove the, the lidding, uh, to, to really effectively recycle it. Mm-hmm. So, as a consumer, taking that litting off is important in the recyclability story. And mm-hmm. um, the second is you mentioned that that one is clear. Not all applesauce cups are clear, a lot of them do have color, they are opaque. Mm-hmm. And the opacity is not a challenge for recycling for polypropylene, but if it were a different material, it would create significant challenges. So right. I think on
1: all fronts, it's recyclable. You know, the industry's changed a lot. So for that particular container, it originally started off as a white straight sidewall cup. Uh, it was a white opaque, so it had that in there. It, it is a multi-layer high barrier. So in general, it's got five to seven layers in it. And in the, you know, years ago, it actually was printed. Right? So the print's gone away, you know, a lot of the opaque has gone away. So it's continued its journey to be more recyclable, but the beauty about the container itself, the structures, and even to Mike's point of being opaque, they're all still fully recyclable as a number five, you know, under certain criteria for EVOH, you know, by weight, et cetera, or percentage. But otherwise, yes, 100% recyclable. You know beautiful cut it's come a long way
0: yeah so this obviously comes in a pack you know so it comes in a pack of like package of like six or eight so right. there's an overwrap component that that's yes. kind of like where these days i think the brands put most of their design features is kind of on that overwrap. i didn't bring it up here for the purposes of our mm-hmm. discussion but right. the the label on this actually even says mm-hmm. unit not labeled for additional sales so it comes right. you know with comes with its little friends when you buy it at the it grocery does, store. Does. <laughs> but yeah, the I think something that's important to talk about just for the purposes of our discussion today for the audience is that there's multiple components, as you said, Mike, to the whole overall package that need to be treated differently. So the plastic container, that's polypropylene that can be recycled as we said. Then you have to peel off this label, throw this, throw this away, and then the overwrap gets treated differently as well. And so this is where kind of reference to some of the organizations that we've talked about in the past come in, you know, the APR design guide. So polypropylene is a preferred material, Uh, the clear unpigmented while, like you mentioned, an opaque version could still be recycled in the polypropylene stream recycling stream clear is you know has the highest value from a recycling perspective the foil lid the apr does note that this needs to be removed completely otherwise it could be detected you know kind of by the recycling pro you know for lack of a better term process as being a metal and mm-hmm. so it would be detrimental to the recycling process in that case there's no label so we don't have to consider that adhesive we don't know what adhesive is used but apr states that the adhesive will be considered preferred when used, like as long as it gets re, re, gets released and in, in the wash. So yeah. as the material is being washed at the at the recycler. You mentioned barrier, so EVOH APR states that, you know, because EVOH when blended with polypropylene cannot be recycled, sorry, separated for recycling, but it is not detrimental to recycling. So an EVOH with polypropylene structure can be still recycled as polypropylene uh provided that it's under a certain percentage so i think industry standard targets are generally under five percent is that right. correct Self so, that's correct yeah um and then yeah how to recycle <clears throat> polypropylene is classified as widely recycled and the u.s plastics pact polypropylene and evoh are not listed on the problematic materials list u.s plastics pact problematic list does no label construction and you know just and and lidding film and says to They essentially just say to refer to APR's guidance and not use components that could be detrimental. So yes, overall, recyclable. Throw this in the recycling bin. There you
1: go, (laughs) perfect, yep.
0: Well, that concludes our second rendition of Can I Recycle That? Thank (laughs) you for tuning in today. So hot packaging, let's get into it. Great. Yeah. So to start, why don't we just kind of ground the discussion by talking about sure. at its most basic level, what is hot fill packaging and sure. how is it
1: used? <laughs> so hot fill packaging and a hot fill process generally, you've seen the hot fill package that was the, you know, sort of let's 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 go ahead and continue along the journey of the four ounce applesauce cup, uh, you know, nice, uh, robust little, little cup, voila. And if you think about hot fill, so hot fill is exactly what it says. It's getting the temperature of the product. Up to a specific temperature, so it kills all of the bacteria or you know anything that that uh, you know could potentially be a concern health wise. So generally, you're up in the 185, 195 degree Fahrenheit range, and then you know the product is actually then cooked and then filled into a container sealed, and then it goes into a cooling bath or a cooling tunnel, you know, to chill it as fast as possible. Generally, when you're talking about hot fill foods, you're talking sauces. So you're talking apple sauce, dips, sauces, jams, jellies, high acid type products that don't have particulates. It's very hard to get uh, any kind of sterilization, through those particulates or even through the filling nozzles to get those. Maybe, you know, you've got chunks of fruit and things like that. But to get that actually, you know, through the hot fill process has always traditionally been a challenge. So generally, when you look at hot fill products, it's going to be more of a sauce, or, you know, it could even be a juice, you know. And so those are the types of products that you're able to fill effectively, fill the containers, seal them. You know, and then in its in its simplest form, of course, you know that's kind of the process that hot fill follows.
2: Okay. Hey, Jonathan, isn't the temperature requirements a combination of temperature over time?
1: It is. It is. Well, like most things, you know, time, temperature, and pressure. But yes, mm-hmm. there is a specific time that the that the processes will anticipate prior to filling how long that product needs to be cooked and so they'll vary depending on what the pH is depending on what how much shelf life they're trying to get out of it but yes so you do have and then you have that cooling effect as well so you know generally you want to get that heat out as fast as possible that has other implications on the package you know where you are hot filling you know there are some considerations that you really have to think about one of the comments you made Natalie which was absolutely perfect segue was that, wow, it's all the way filled all the way up to the top of the lidding film. You know, it's really, that's a tremendous accomplishment on so many levels. One of the biggest problems that you have with cups through the whole process is the potential, if you don't fill it high enough as you used to, then it can cause wasting as that gas, that residual gas in that headspace contracts, It'll it's going to try and pull something in. And Mm. so that's where also you see that, that bowed sidewall also has enabled us to down gauge in the industry, but still have an effective package so that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't contract or, or waste as we call it.
0: Right. So just to go back to a couple points. So I'm picturing models like, you know, a big like pot basically where you're like, cooking the material so as mike said the product, combination yeah. of time and temperature and right. i'm sure that that depend that's dependent on the food product you know mm-hmm. what temperature you have to reach mm-hmm. how long it has to cook right. uh, then it right. gets moved into the container it does through the yeah. process that's and right. so just i wanted to note that because it's whatever that food product is being cooked to, the material then needs to be able to withstand
1: that temperature.
0: And that's, so that's key to kind of when you're, when you're talking about the whole packaging and processing sterilization system, it all needs to work together in that way. And then, so I just was kind of, for my own curiosity, you mentioned that then it goes into a cooling phase and you generally Mm -hmm. want to that happens quickly mm-hmm. is yeah. what's the i guess reasoning or requirement behind why that needs to happen
1: fast well you want to you want to try and get it to its finished product as fast as possible and so getting that temperature okay. out of there uh, you know quickly a lot of times they'll just go straight into a water bath I mean because you've got mm-hmm. you got to remember you know yeah. you've got that nice hermetic seal you know you're not going to worry about any leakers and if you do you're going to know about it pretty quickly because your wound <laughs> is going to get contaminated right. but these, right. these you know these baths or you know cooling to they'll go on for you know maybe 30 feet. 40 feet, okay. you know, and then oh, they go even, even longer. Definitely. Yeah, they can. In, uh-huh. the, in
2: the applesauce world, I've seen them maybe almost 100 feet and then loop back around.
1: Yeah. Oh, and wow. then you just want to get that heat out as fast as possible, you know, so that you don't have any post-contraction or anything mm-hmm. like, you know, when it gets, you know, so now we've packaged it, right? And now it's still cooling. You know, you don't want to, you want to make sure that that in- package integrity stays as, you know, you intended to be, you know, in front of the consumer.
0: Okay. So that's, it's yeah, more one, for, two. sorry, it's more oh, sorry. for preserving the packaging integrity than it is, like, say, related to like the product
1: needs yeah i mean point. the. Pro- i mean you could ultimately you just, cook the like, product sit like it like out this. there you know and then it's, <laughs> hey, cool, but let's get it cooled let's get it packaged you know and then get it off to the to warehousing right. distribution or and into supply chain right right, right.
2: and you have to consider Back operational efficiency well. mm-hmm.
1: correct right yeah and literally okay. you know to mike's point it comes out of that bath mm-hmm. and you know they'll have dryers or what have you or air blowing mm-hmm. on it and it goes straight into the the overwrap machine wow and so you yeah. know it's You know, it's it's a it's a really neat process.
0: Yeah, it sounds really intricate and complex.
1: (laughs) Um, I you know, a lot of steps. There's a lot of steps, but you know, I think it's very. It's been refined, so Mm -hmm. you know, over the years. So. You, know, you you rolled the clock back 30, 40 years when when they had, you know, four-lane machines, you know, mm-hmm. filling. I don't, you know, I can't even remember, Mike, you know, what the filling rates were. You probably know better than me. But, you know, and now, you know, they're six, eight-lane across. You know, they're they're right. just amazing, you know, that they can, they have all of that control and that ability to fill, you know, at, at a really high volume. And, and not a lot of
2: uh, human labor involved in the whole process. Natalie, you're right. It's a very complex, robust system. And Jonathan, this industry has been moving towards this efficient packaging for Mm -hmm. 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. It really
1: worked out a lot of, they've picked all the low-hanging fruit. (laughs) Yeah. Now we have some other ideas, you know, (laughs) we've proposed to some guys, but hey, we'll talk about that in a minute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess to kind of like refine my point, the concept of it seems pretty basic. It's like you cook the food, you put it in a container, you cool it off. Yeah. Done. But the automation and scale of it. Yeah. The automation and scale of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think is what leads to, you know, it seeming like a complex process because you got to be imagining like the kind of volume that's going through these machines. You know, they're not making like, you know, if I were like canning in my kitchen, I'd probably make like three or four, you know, they're making, (laughs)
1: Three or four million. Yeah. 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 No, it's true. Yeah. You know, and, and then to that point, because of that sophistication and where it's really moved some sort of that like rudimentary, oh, it was just like a, you know, like a, you know, a filler, right? Mm. You know, is that, you know, back in the day, you know, we used to have like a quarter inch head space. It's like, okay, well, now what do you do to get rid of that? Well, you make it a tank. OK, that's mm. one one thing that you do. But then we also got to the point where we were like gas flushing the headspace to try and, mm. you know, yeah. and you got nitrogen flowing everywhere. It, it was just, you know, it was sort of the, the way that uh, a lot of experimentation was done to try and refine it to get to, right. I think, you know, where they've really got today, which is probably about as good as you're gonna get you know as mm-hmm. as far as as refining the product or the the pack the package rather you know versus maybe looking at you know some some alternate solutions that are that are now you know really real and that mm-hmm. that I think are going to bring a lot of opportunity to to food processes that are filling
0: right and it seems like that like you were talking about refining it in terms of the headspace, it just seems like the re- the result has been very precise.
1: Yes. Even Natalie. So yeah. I mean, yeah, and then, I mean, even to the point where this, you know, this uh, stack shoulder here used to probably mm-hmm. be twice the size, right? So generally on average, you know, in a preformed applesauce cup, you're gonna have somewhere around, let's say, sixteen hundred cups on a truck well it used to be 1200 or what have you and now it's sorry six plus 1600 per case yeah yeah (laughs) 1.6 million i think is is something like that that's actually on the truck um but anyway so you know you you literally you know you had you know less like you know 1.2 billion so now it's like 1.6 or whatever it is and and um, but that's also another area that's become very sophisticated because these are automatic machines so they've got to drop these very quickly without one hitch at all you get one hitch and you know you got applesauce going everywhere or you shut the machine down because it missed a cycle so again another refinement and in fact even the seal area here you can see how narrow that is it used to be you know a wider flange there as well so again you know, hats off to the Apple source industry because they've done it. And and there's a lot of other applications that have, have sort of, you know, grown from that. So you think of Hotfell, yes, it could have probably, you know, it started with sort of like the Apple source and things like that. But, you know, you've got dips, you've got sources, you've got, you know, different kinds of pudding that can go in. that could be hot filled depending on the mm-hmm. pH. There's a, there's a lot of other applications out there that you can, you know, you can utilize a hot fill process for.
0: Great. Mike, any comments about the hot fill process
2: itself? No, not not really. The one thing I would say is that uh, it's an interesting origin story, especially in applesauce. Mm-hmm. I believe if I'm not incorrect, Jonathan, this was all form fill sealed.
1: At one point in time, um, yeah, early years day. ago, it yeah. really was. It was on a conifine. <laughs> and,
2: may- and maybe we can talk about returning that to form Phil Seal over time with some of
1: our Right. Products. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know what, Mike? That's a that's a great point. Because years ago, I was dealing with a a food processor, you know, a large food processor, and they were a fruit processor. So they, they were more sort of into semi-retort and things like that. But they had these two hot fill lines, and they were running styrene on them. And they said, hey, you know, we've got problems. Can you come out, take a look? You know, we can't get these things to work, you know, blah, blah, blah and they were running a barrier styrene on it and they were filling it at 185 to 195 degrees. Well, styrene doesn't really do well at those types of temperatures at all. And I mean, they had, I mean, just, it was just, it, it was a real, real challenge. And so to your point, Mike, I mean, choosing the right material for hot fill is absolutely critical. Now in styrene, you can hot fill, but you're hot filling at lower temperatures. So that you don't, you know, for longer,
2: for longer time. That's
1: exactly Mm -hmm. right. So Mm -hmm. you've got that extended dwell time. Well, you know, if I'm a food processor and I've got another option, I need to get moving here because I need to increase my efficiencies and throughput and what have you ever else. And so that's now to your point, Mike, now where we're able to go with the development of our XPP material. Mm -hmm. Um, So originally the the hot fill process that they had on ffs was a very complicated structure it was very tightly controlled it was it was it, it had challenges but it, it produced a, a nice square container you can see kind of like there's some nacho cheese today that's still hot filled that's in that same style of container it was like a little you know short square cup kind of thing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. But now, you know and and it's been a frustration of the industry for many years. despite all of the improvements, the refinements that we've made on the process we've made on the containers, the big gap is like, how can I use a foamful seal machine to hot fill? Mm. And that's been a real challenge because of the material. Now, with the development of our XPP material, not only can we hot fill, we can hot fill in multi-layer, high barrier, co-extruded structures as well, and we can make it in multi-packs or single packs. And so now, what we've been able to achieve with XPP is you can take all of those benefits that we've been talking about for hot fill, and you can now apply that to a form-fill-seal process, which mm-hmm. enables you and to still
2: have a and still
1: have a recycled product. 100%. Mm,
2: right. yes. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: So now you've got formful seal machines that are out there with guys that, you know, with, with big brand owners that have got, you know, wider product portfolios, but they, they, have you know, had to be focused only on certain processes. Now, mm. for instance, you know, you can take somebody that's doing, you know, maybe like a, you know, a hot fill applesauce or what have you say, we well, you know you want to do salsa on that line too. Oh, you can do salsa. Oh, you want it to be a microwavable product. Yeah. Got it. You want it to freeze? Yeah, we can do that too. And so there's mm-hmm. so many opportunities, either for product line extensions, for new product development, for expanding and utilizing your existing product lines, you know, and, and further enhancements on, on other other products that you're you're uh, packaging. Now you can actually do right. that on a formful seal line, which right. today either you are building a formful seal line specifically to run polypropylene. Or you know you know you you don't really have an option. And now mm-hmm. with the development of XPP and the ability to utilize polypropylene on an FFS line effectively, you can now expand and now take advantage of hot fill applications. Whether it's apples, high speed Source FFS line or dips, sauces, jams, jellies, now you have the opportunity not only to use preform containers but now to extend it improve your sustainability, reduce your cost, keep your output and expand the capabilities of whatever you're, you know, you're wanting to hot film.
0: Right. Yeah. So this, like this applesauce cup that we've been discussing, this is a preformed, an example of a preformed container. So just for the listeners, that just means that this is, you know, formed at a different location. And then sent to, you know, the apples where the applesauce is actually processed and filled into it. Whereas in a form fill seal, they would be bringing in roll stock and doing the forming, you know, all there in line. So then that's, you know, uh, an increase in efficiency for the processor, an increase in speed output, you know, all those things. So that would be like one of the main benefits in addition to the material benefits that you would get from using, you know, recyclable, sustainable polypropylene that has that temperature range that Jonathan was talking about.
1: Yeah, so you know, you you know, you think of how many of these you can fit on a, a truck, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it ends up being somewhere about twenty thousand pounds, let's say, you yeah, know, some somewhere like that. You can double yeah. that. You can put forty thousand pounds of roll stock on a truck. So you immediately <laughs> just you immediately just cut your transportation expenses in half. You know, well you t- yeah,
0: you just completely took a step out of it <laughs> right you know and it's like <laughs> From it. perspective. Yeah. now
1: yeah. you know it, it, it is is you know formful seal it there were you know has challenges as well but it's been around people know it they love it it's you know it's got you know got some some yeah you know, it's it, it does not add too much complexity uh as long as you're in formful seal and you understand that yeah. process versus you know a deposit full seal container
0: so would you say the main reason why some of these applications were not, you know, done in, you know, kind of run in a form fill-seal hot fill line to begin with was due to material limitations, you know, yes. in terms of the have- availability the the options yes. and you know coupled with the requirements on the packaging. So yeah. you know you obviously needed to have Like we talked about at the beginning, you obviously needed to have a package material that could withstand, you know, those temperature,
1: Mm -hmm. that
0: high temperature. So without a viable material that was compatible with FFS and compatible with the temperature, it, you know, kind of didn't really make sense
1: to, to go there. Nope. No, good. And 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 that's where I had that wonderful experience of <laughs> of not a happy customer. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, I don't know about this machine. But anyway, I mean, right. you know, but that's exactly right, Natalie. Until this mm-hmm. point, you know, really, unless you're buying a machine that's truly built to run polypropylene on FFS, it has really right. not been that option. But now yeah. there is. Right. right.
0: So yeah. we've talked a lot about applesauce, some of the other foods that are commonly used in the hot fill process yeah correct dips and me if dips. i'm wrong yep so we got dips and sauces yeah. jams and jellies yes. shelf stable beverages what else Mm-hmm. Do we have on that list? Did I get them all? <laughs> yeah,
1: that, I mean, that's. I mean, that, that's. That's. Yeah. You know, that. Yeah. So again, you know, what you it, it could change with some different sources, dipping sources could be salad dressings, depending on you know, what, yeah what you know and anything along those lines that's more of a high acid, okay. um, you know, where you can get that temperature up to the the you know the target one eighty five one ninety five degrees etc. Are going to be eligible for hot fill.
0: Right. So question though, because some of. Uh, and yeah, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I was under the impression that some jams and jelly applications were FFS.
1: Um, they are. But okay. but but to my they point are. earlier, what we were talking about is you actually have to cook them at lower temperatures or you have right. to cool that temperature before it goes into the traditionally a, a polystyrene, you know, solution coated saran, right. and, you know, dip cup and things like that.
0: So that's the trade-off there. No, if you're going to use that process, then you are going to reduce your efficiencies.
2: And go ahead, yes. Mike. <laughs> And use styrene, which is noticable. So, right. you yeah. know, it's in fact I would say eighty five percent of the sauces, jams, and jellies that are consumed in in restaurants and at home in individual portions are mm-hmm. polystyrene form fill seal. Yep.
0: Well, yeah, still because yep. there was no option until us. That's right. That's
1: <laughs> right. That's, that's that's right. You know, and so you know the the that industry. You know, it's interesting because there's some form fill seal and there's some. Preformed, which are array mm-hmm. trays, right? So if you're making a preformed array tray, yeah, yeah, technically right. you could make it out of polypropylene, which is kind of like surprising that they haven't even, you know, made that move yet. Mm. Um, yeah. But then you've got the formful seal side as well, which is limited. So what they basically done said, well, either even though that we have these, you know, two the same process, we're using two different types of formats. Still challenging yeah. because you're still filling styrene.
0: Right. And for those, those who have form fill seal lines though, mm-hmm. and want to move to a recyclable product and people are saying, well, oh, you can move to this preformed polypropylene array tray. It's like, well, then what am I supposed to do with all my equipment? It's just That's just sitting around here. So I think that that's the great thing that we're offering to this, you know, yes. corner of the market, you know, with hot fill applications that are still in polystyrene. Yeah. You can keep those efficiencies, you know, that come with your using your form fill seal processes. That's right. Without having to make that trade-off, you know, of right. not using a recyclable product, you know, we give it, Correct. we're, you know, we're giving, giving them the whole, you know, whole package, the whole right. list of requirements. So,
1: yeah, I mean, traditionally right. over the last few, well, last probably 10 years, Mike, I'm, I'm I'm guessing, you know, we, you know, the industry has been trying to help provide a solution for array trays and for you know, dips and sauces, you know, for the the little things. And it's, it has, it's just always been a challenge, you know, from the product perspective, you know, there's some PETs that are are used in Mm -hmm. there as well, you know, but again, you know, you've got, you're constrained with that similar uh, process. So, you know, to me, that's, that's one, because you could, you know, you think about what you could also do. You could keep the dips hot. You could put it in a microwave, you know, there's there's a bunch of other things that you could still do that you can't do with a finished build yes right and to like, make matters yeah. worse you know we, i mean we were coming up with some ridiculous structures just to meet <laughs> the same barrier performance i mean you i can't even get it i mean like nine layer 13 i are like oh, this oh my gosh really, yeah this we're going the wrong way people uh, and so i think that that actually may have jaded the you mean you know jaded it a little bit because there was no real solution but yeah. now you know with the ability to use polypropylene on there you get beautiful organoleptics you get the clarity you get the gloss mm-hmm. you get the sealability to you the first thing that we we're talking about is how nice and easy that peel is and some of those sources can be incredibly aggressive uh you know they just eat through stuff well you've got yeah. you know, polypropylene where it's going to be really you know a solid good package you know that's right great going to provide those benefits.
2: Mike, did you have something to say? Well, you know, I, I one of the things I think about is a lot of these so- small individual format uh, sauces and and uh, dips, uh, companies don't think of them as being recyclable. They have sort of train themselves because they they're they're using materials that aren't recycled or recyclable. They consider their products to be Outside the recycling realm. And I think that's a mistake. I think their consumers, their loyal consumers, would like to see a recyclable package for whatever they're buying. Mm -hmm. And you just don't get that with styrene in form fill seal. But now XTP provides a vehicle to provide all of the benefits and recyclability without, and when you think about it, an improved cost footprint in the processing and improved cost footprint in the packaging itself. It's just, there's just so many benefits to considering XPP or form-fill seal in yeah. sauce packaging. Yeah, right.
0: Well, and to clarify, the reason why those, you know, kind of portion, you know, ketchup packet, ketchup dip cups, or whatever, are kind of not really seen as being recyclable. It's not just because of the material that they're in, but also because of the dimensions, the size, you know, because I'm on APR's website right now, they clearly have a, yeah, they even have a specific section on, you know, dimensions of the container. And they have, you know, their, the size requirements, it needs to be over a certain size in order to be considered, you know, that it would be widely recycled because like you said, it needs to be kind of like caught up in everything else. Um, And, but I think when you consider that, you know, somebody, a processor might say to themselves, well, so why would I make the material switch? Because it's not going to be recycled anyway. But I think overcoming the challenge of the dimensional challenge of recyclability is a lot smaller of a hurdle to, to get over than the material challenge. You know, the oh, material yeah, challenge. Yeah, yeah. There's just so much more that's involved right. in it in terms of, you know, just like literally global <laughs> economic, the global yeah. economics of recycling. Right. Versus, you know, if we, there, I think it's like a much smaller change or innovation that needs to happen in order to be able to start collecting some of those smaller packaging formats. So yeah. I think that's kind of like what our, as an organization, what our general, like, thought is on those small packages is you might as well use the material that's designed for recyclability because the way that the industry is yeah the way that the industry is moving is you know the more we can collect the better so you have to you have to anticipate that it's going to be there there's some innovation is going to come come around that allows you know those those even those small small absolutely yeah i mean that's a that's a huge yeah
1: it's, it's huge volume but it's difficult right you know, yeah. so so there are there are advances that are being made every day on the ability to capture cu- cups containers you know i mean films i mean they're working on films and it's it's making good progress to be able to collect film right so mm-hmm. you know so eventually it's gonna get there okay the yeah. sophistication of what's going on with the with the mers and the you know the the recycling recyclers and their ability to capture smaller and smaller container is going to continue mm-hmm. to expand. Yep. With yep. that, yep. why not get ahead of you know your packaging and get into a, a a material that is fully recyclable that can meet all of your requirements that can give you those benefits? Because a year down the road, as everybody else is getting the you know is is meeting all of their objectives, and you're still behind. You know, it, it, there's a. I think that there's producer, you know, there's producer responsibility there as well. Right. You know, to make improvements and start that journey now. Yeah, it's coming.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, so good points. So we talked about some of the advantages of hot fill processing in terms of, you know, efficiencies and how could that could maybe Mm -hmm. be our versatility. You know, it sounds like the hot fill process can be used with a pretty wide variety of different food products. Some of the increased efficiencies that might come were the industry to move to form fill seal formats. Something we didn't really talk about yet was shelf stability. So I just wanted to touch on that because that's kind of one of the key benefits of the hot fill process is that your result, the result is, you know, a shelf stable product, which can also be influenced by the material choice. Like I just picked up the applesauce cup that we've been discussing and it says Best Buy, and we just bought this today, mind you, Best Buy May 21st, 2025. So, you know, over, over a year that this can stay in my...
1: That's right. No pantry, right? Yeah, fourteen to sixteen months shelf life is is generally kind of you know that that threshold that they that uh, the industry targets. Now, what they what what you know, and and there's some control there, right? So once you sterilize the product and you fill it, now it's in a sterilized you know environment, right? So mm-hmm. so depending on what the thickness of that EVOH is, uh, you know, you that's how you're going to control your your oxygen ingress. And redress, right? So it could right. uh, it could go the other way. So you want you know. So that's where you want to match up and have the right barrier, um, and uh, you know that residual headspace that's critical as well because that'll oxidize faster than you know the product itself and so mm. you get browning or you know discoloration whereas now you know they've got that so that it's all the way up to the lidding film so they've they've really done a great job of eliminating that as well but shelf shelf life is going to be indicative of how much EDOH you've got the polypropylene that's going to give you the moisture barrier and so you know between those two products you know you kind of determine well you know, how long shelf life do I need? What's the taste and odor implications? And that goes all the way back onto the producer's responsibility to to kind of direct what they look at for shelf stable for shelf I, shelf life. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of you know the 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 determinant factors or considerations when you're looking at shelf shelf life. And again, you yeah. know, depending on the pH of that that product as well that can impact your your shelf life. So there's a lot of considerations that the VOOT processor has to to think about when they're Mm -hmm. they're in a hot fill uh, application.
0: Yeah, definitely. Something else that I had written down too because I, is user experience at the, you know, when you're, so when you're considering what or thinking about like what challenges do hot hot fill processors need to consider like that user experience? You know, I talked about my example while it wasn't a hot fill application of like, Struggling to get the seal off the container and how this was like a nice, you know, like deviation from that. I always remember you guys telling me a story about, or not necessarily a story, but educating me on how dairy products, when heated in a container, that you really need to be careful about the material that's, you know, that you're using because it can, the it can actually, the high fat content products can actually eat away at the material. And I I know that there are maybe some hot fill cheese applications exactly. that we've talked about, you know, things yeah. like that, that are really much better suited to a polypropylene than anything else. Because if you consider, you know, then how the customer is, the end use customer is then using the product in their home, it could be, you know, kind of a, you know, a concern at how, how that, how they're going to be able to interact with that product once it's in their home. And are they going to be able to use it in the way that is intended? So whether
2: right, that's
0: right. heating it, you know, you even just like being able to open it without spilling it all over yourself. So yes. <laughs>
2: well,
1: I mean, take a nacho cheese, you know, it's hot yeah. fill, right? So, you know, for the most part, it's going to be hot fill. There's some aseptics out there as well. But, you know, so you hot fill that. And so now you have to think about, okay, well, what about the residual you know fat and oils that are in this and by the way now we've recommended that you can put it in a microwave okay mm-hmm. well what if it goes in the microwave and it's you know it, it cooks it you know for five minutes instead of like a minute you know then obviously that's gonna that's gonna have an in- impact on the the material itself mm-hmm. probably burn or cook it just gets gets so such a high temperature so there are right. those considerations for sure are equally as important as the cold side as well. Mm -hmm. You have to think about that through supply chain and et cetera, et cetera.
0: Something else that I want to ask you about is since, you know, when you're considering the whole hot fill process, since a high heat product is being filled into a container, how are organoleptics and, you know, migration, you know, taken into consideration for the hot fill process?
1: Well, polypropylenes an incredibly clean material. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, from an organoleptic perspective, you know, one of one of the best out there, especially with the wide range of performance. With other materials, the industry has struggled through hot fill applications, and to do that, you know, generally, like if you're going to have a styrene and you've got a highly sensitive product that's you know that's going to be adversely affected through migration or what have you, you know, we were looking at actually extruding a polyethylene layer on the inside of the container. To, you know, to manage the styrene so that you could still, you know, so and that was only from a taste perspective, not from a, you know, a hot fill as well. So when you're moving into a polypropylene, you basically eliminate all of that, you know, yep. for the and most part. You're, you simplify it all. You do. It yeah. becomes
2: much more simple
1: and remains recyclable because it is more simplistic. And right. I think that that's been a big, big challenge in the industry is that, okay, so we're in styrene or we're in preformed containers, but we'd like to be in a, you know and uh you know a a, a roll of polypropylene bonfoil seal uh because of those attributes and right. and then till now you know really there's not been that that it not an economical option apart from investing in a brand new piece of equipment that could Absolutely
0: which we've obviously talked right. about is a huge hurdle. A It hasn't and happened. A <laughs> little,
1: little CapEx there. Yes.
0: Yep. Yep. So the last kind of question, uh, topic, I guess, that we had on our list to talk about today, which we've kind of already touched on, but we can still close the episode with it anyway, is upcoming changes or innovations, you know, related to hot fill packaging. So I think we've really already kind of touched on all of this, but essentially material innovations you know, mm-hmm. with with our XPP product, yeah. can lead to opportunities for you know more applications to potentially use a form-fill-seal process in mm-hmm. conjunction with the hot-fill packaging and processing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, you know that lends towards the trend that's happening across you know all applications and in, in plastic food packaging of increased sustainability. Because yes. as we discussed, we have that sustainable and recyclable product. You know, with XPP being pure polypropylene. Right material structure. So do you guys have anything that else that you wanted to add to that in terms of, you know, innovations, trends, you know, kind of just where you see opportunity in the industry as it relates to hot
2: fill packaging and processing? I think Jonathan mentioned a, a little of this, but um, I think the trend for processors, for CPGs, is mis- m- machine utilization, mm. uh, being able to use existing equipment to do multiple things, other mm. things, Product line extensions, new products. I think that's the exciting thing for our customers
1: to be able to do in a form-fill-seal format. Right. I I would I'd 100% agree. And I and I think you can actually take it you know a little bit of a step further if you think about you know sort of okay well you know round containers in an overwrap. What if we went back to years ago where it was like a square container? So then, you know, you can get more on a truck, you can get more in a pallet, you can get more on the shelf. So you're reducing, you know, your your slotting fees or whatever, you know, in the, in the grocery store. So, that there, so I think that there's some there's some refinement in the package that, 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 you know, took us from that original printed white straight wall, very heavy, robust tank you know, um. to where this is. But then the next step, I think, is even more exciting where we can start to play with shapes, play mm. with, you know, you know, refinements from a design perspective, maybe, you know, enhancing further designs on the material structures themselves. You know, all of that simplification and certainly moving away from, from problematic materials to get into these new opportunities, you know, right. as they become real. Right. Well said. Yeah.
2: Cool. Well,
0: this is this is an interesting episode. I certainly learned a lot. I hope everybody at home listening did as well. Yeah, that's our episode today. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in to listen. We're excited to have another year of bring another year of crazy about packaging podcast episodes to you. If you're interested in learning more about hot fill packaging, I'd encourage the listeners to go take a look at our blog, where we have a couple articles up there about, you know, material selection and sustainability as it relates to hot fill packaging applications. Um, Next year, we're going to continue our process highlight series, where we'll be discussing aseptic packaging and processing. And so in the meantime, for more information about us, you can visit our website at www.icpg.co. If you'd like to take part in the conversation, you can follow us on social media at ICPG on LinkedIn, at ICPG Co on Instagram and Twitter, or email us at ICPG at impactgroup.co. We'd love to chat with you. And of course, you can uh, listen to our podcast on our website and on all major podcast channels. We hope you enjoyed getting a little crazy about packaging with us, and we will talk to you next month.